1: Victory awaits those who persevere.
2: These are the folks who have obeyed God. These are the folks who have pure hearts. These are the folks who are blameless. These are the folks who do not lie. These are the folks who have acknowledged Jesus Christ as their Lord. This is a picture and a promise of those who have remained true to God. They have stood. They have persevered. And all he's saying is, hey, things are going to get bad here, but those of you who have surrendered to Jesus Christ, victory will be yours.
1: The world does not see it, but there is a battle coming. The Bible tells us it will be like no other battle in history. In his message today, Pastor Dudley reminds us that those who do not recognize the signs of the coming age will not be saved. Next, as we lift up Jesus. Hello again and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you have found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants God requires to help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church located in Los Angeles, California. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford and we join him right now with today's message.
2: Good morning, good morning. I want you to uh, uh, take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 12. We're in a series on the book of Revelation, and I want you to grab your sermon outline because I'm talking about an epic cosmic battle. What you're going to see today is that God gives us a picture of the spiritual battle that's being fought in the heavenly realm. There's so many things that happen to us down here on earth where we deal with people or situations or circumstances. And we don't realize that behind the scenes there's this cosmic battle uh, that is being waged in the heavenlies. I want to start with chapter 12, the very first verse, the first few words. It says in chapter 12, there was a great and wonder sign that appeared in heaven. I wonder what that is. Well, it says, if you go look at the next word, it was a woman. That was the great and wonder sign. And the Bible says that she was clothed with the... Sun, which means that she was radiant. She had the moon underneath her feet, which means that she was exalted. She had a crown of 12 stars in her head, which means that she was victorious. And yet in verse 2, it says she was pregnant. And she cried out in pain because she was about to give birth. Now, who is this pregnant woman in Revelation chapter 12? I want you to write this down. She represents the nation of Israel. She represents God's people. Now some people believe that this is a literal person and they believe that it's the Virgin Mary, that this is, uh, that this is exactly who the Bible's talking about. But it, it, it could be the Virgin Mary because she would be included in the nation of Israel. But what this person is, this woman, she represents the lineage of Jesus Christ starting all the way back to Abraham And all the way through the centuries, from Abraham all the way to the Virgin Mary, it's that lineage of Jesus Christ, it's the nation of Israel that is about to give birth to the Messiah, which we know is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. So the child, the child, write this down, is the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. So she's pregnant, she's about to give birth, and all of a sudden someone else shows up. Verse 3. There was another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, which speaks of its destructive power, seven crowns on his head, which speaks of its world dominion. The dragon, I want you to write this down, is the devil himself. So you have the woman, which is the nation of Israel or the lineage of Jesus Christ. You have the child, which is the Messiah, the one that will be born, a Savior to the world. And then you have the dragon, which is Satan. Look at verse 4. His tail, Satan's tail, swept a third of the stars out of the sky. We know that when God uh, kicked uh, the devil out of the heavens... Uh, he was one of the angels. He became prideful. He tried to take things, tried to take over. So God cast him out of the heavens. And when he was thrown out of heaven, he took a third of the other angels with him. The Bible says that the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he, the dragon, might devour her child the moment it was Born Now, get that in your mind. Here's the nation of Israel from all the way back from Abraham. They've been talking about through the, through the prophets that one day the Messiah would come. Finally, uh, Jesus is about to be born. And who's there waiting for his birth? It's Satan himself. Satan is standing there the very moment that baby Jesus is born. And he was going to attempt to destroy that child. Now, why would Satan want to destroy that child? Because the sa- Satan doesn't want anybody saved, so if he can get rid of Jesus, then, then he wins, uh, but, but we all know the story of what happens. But, but when, G- when Jesus first appears, if you read through the Bible, you'll see all the way through the New Testament, Satan tried to destroy Jesus over and over and over again. In fact, right when Jesus was born, remember Herod heard that, heard that a new king had been born, and he issued a decree that all male baby children uh, babies in that area would be slaughtered, and so remember uh, Mary had to take Mary and Joseph had to take Jesus and flee down to Egypt because Herod had issued a decree for all baby boys to be killed so all through the gospel, Satan is trying to get rid of Jesus and finally, finally, Jesus goes to the cross, and Satan thinks this is it i 'm finally winning here we 're going to get rid of this this messiah we 're going to get rid of this child so Jesus dies on the cross they take him off the cross they throw him in the tomb they put a big rock in front of the mouth of the tomb they've got a roman guard out front and satan he's, and jesus is dead for three days and for those three days satan he was happy because he had finally gotten rid of the child except we all know what happened three days later don't we look at verse five she gives birth to a son a male child who will rule the what He'll rule the nations with an iron scepter. Scepter is a word that means power. It means royalty. The word iron means unbreakable. This was an unbreakable power. This was an undeniable royalty. And the rest of verse 5 says, and her child was snatched. Her child, after the child was born, was snatched up to God and to the throne. We know that this is Uh, talking about the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ because eventually Jesus goes back to to, to God, the Father, the throne. And then we come to verse 6. What happened to the woman? Well, after Jesus was snatched up into the heavens, the woman, Israel, the nation of Israel, fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of. She needed to be taken care of, yes for 1,260 days, which is three and a half years. Now there's a lot of discussion about the number 1,260 days. A lot of people believe that this is the second half of the seven years of tribulation. Uh, Again, a lot of discussion, but this does refer to some measure of time of trial and tribulation for the nation of Israel, the people of God, who had to flee because, why? because not only did Satan want to destroy Jesus, but after Jesus ascended, he now turns his focus upon the nation of Israel, and now he wants to destroy the nation of Israel. Look at verse seven. The Bible says there was a war. Everybody say war. War. There was a war where? Up in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, Satan, was not strong enough, praise God. Satan was not strong enough, and he lost his place in heaven. So verse 9 says the great dragon was, was hurled down, That, and here's how we know it's the devil, because it says that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who does what? Who leads the world astray. Now look at verse 13. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, what did he do? He pursued who? The woman who had given birth to who? The male child. Have you ever asked why is it that Jews are the most hated and despised people on the face of the earth? Have you ever wondered that? Why everyone hates the Jews? Why the whole world seemingly is against Israel? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I think it all goes back to this verse that you're reading that satan couldn't destroy jesus because he conquered the grave so he did the next best thing he turns on the people who provided the messiah and is trying to discredit them and so we know in history that jerusalem in the year 70 ad was completely destroyed we know that the jews were dispersed that they did not have a homeland for some two thousand years in just recent years they were allowed to come back to the nation of israel and have their homeland we know that wasn't too many years ago that hitler literally tried to Destroy and wipe the Jewish people off the face of this earth, and in, in that, and while he was doing that, he killed some six million Jews, and uh, it's called the Holocaust. We know that even today, while you're sitting here, that the Iranian government and Hamas has called for the complete annihil- annihilation of the nation of Israel. Let me tell you, Satan is still today trying to destroy the nation of Israel. What I want you to know, not only is he trying to destroy them, he's trying to destroy you. Look at verse 17. The the dragon was enraged at the woman. Now, where was the woman? The woman is someplace that God had prepared. And all I know is that God always watches over the Jewish people, even though there have been those who've tried to wipe them off the face of the earth. There's always been a remnant because God always takes care of his people. Can someone say amen? amen. Chapter 12 uh, is basically this to sum it all up there's a woman uh, who represents the uh, nation of Israel, the lineage of Jesus Christ. You have a child, which is Jesus, and then you have a dragon who is the devil. Who tried to destroy jesus he's trying to destroy the nation of israel and he's trying to destroy both you and me and then we come to chapter 13. chapter 13 is the story of satan spawning and empowering two henchmen who set out on a course the three of them satan the two henchmen the three of them they're almost like an unholy trinity they set out to destroy the kingdom of god they're on a course to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. The first henchman is a beast. The Bible calls it the beast from the sea. I want you to know a couple things. In this text, the first 10 verses of chapter 13, it talks about the beast of the sea. A lot of people believe that they're talking about the Antichrist. A lot of people believe that. I do want you to know that the word Antichrist is not mentioned in here, but some people look at and they read these 10 verses and they say, That's the Antichrist. They just, that's what they call them. Here's what I believe this beast represents. I want you to write this down. This beast of the sea represents the worldly governments that are persecuting the church. Worldly governments or leadership or nations or politicians who persecute the church of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, a second beast comes out, not of the sea, it comes from the earth. This is something that's more subtle. Something that came from the sea, it's sudden, it startles you. Something that comes from the earth is something that you see, you notice it, you saw it, you were a part of it. Yes, there it is. It never really bothered you. Uh, it, It looks innocent. Oh, it looks fine. Look at verse 11. It says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth who had two horns. He looked like a little, he looked like a lamb. But when he spoke, He spoke like a a dragon. In other words, this beast is deceptive. It looks nice and cute. The second beast is the live Satan dressed up like the truth. He comes disguised as sheep, but inwardly he's a ravenous wolf. The first beast is the anti-Christian government that persecutes the church. Write this down. The second beast is the anti-Christian religion that deceives the church. This is more of a false prophet. Now, don't, don't be mad at me, but some people have said that it is the Roman Catholic Church. Some people have said that it is, it is uh, the, the religion of Islam. Uh, some people have said that it's uh, materialism. And who, who, who here today is not caught up into the God of materialism? Uh, It could be humanism. It could be just people, their religion is just whatever I want to do, I will do and and live as I please. That that could be, it's some type of false religion. It's some type of false prophet. Now look what happens in verse 16 because this applies to all of us. It says, he also forced, this is the second beast, he forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead. This is what is known as the mark of the beast. Verse 17 says, so that no one could buy or sell unless he has the mark, which is the name of the beast, or, the, or it's the number of the beast. And verse 18 says, This calls for wisdom. Everyone say, Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom. You, better, you better say that a little louder. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom. If anyone has insight, say, Lord give, insight. Lord, give me insight. Let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number, and his number is 666. Now, I want to tell you some things about the number 666. First of all, it's a mark. It is a mark. Everybody say mark. It's either going to be placed on your right hand or on your forehead. It is the mark of the beast. It's either his name. We don't know it. It might not even be a number. It could just be the name of the beast. It will be required upon your right hand or on your forehead. Second thing I want you to know about this is that the only way you will ever be able to buy or sell anything will be if you have the mark on your hand or on your forehead uh, Christians, you and I will have to decide whether or not we're going to get the mark of the beast. It's going to be forced upon us. It's going to be something you're not going to have a choice. They're going to demand that you do it. Otherwise you won't be able to eat. And so they will force you to have this. You won't be able to buy or trade or sell or make a living. And so, uh, unless you have the mark of the beast and that's how they'll keep track of all of us. And that's how we'll buy, whether we'll put our hand underneath the scanner and, uh, they'll keep track of us that way. And, uh, and, and uh, you're going to have to make a choice because, as a Christian, you you are either going to go and say, "Okay, I know this is wrong, but go ahead," or you're going to say, "No." And if you say no, it means that this one world government is going to turn against you and they will persecute you. If you say no, it means that you're going to take a stand against Satan, against the Antichrist, against the one world government, against the first beast of the sea and the second beast of the earth. And the question is, will you at that time... Be willing or able to make a stand, even if it costs you your life. Or are you going to say, "No, I'm really getting hungry. Give me the mark. Give me the mark, because I need to eat." Which are you going to do? Having the mark on your forehead is symbol, symbolizes that it's affected your thought life. Having it on your right hand indicates our deeds and our actions. Hence, having the mark indicates that you belong. If you have the mark. It indicates that you belong to the company of the beast. It, it indicates that you belong to the company of the dragon. It indicates that you belong to the world. It indicates that you belong to the devil. It indicates that you live under the influence of the world. And my question to you today is how many people might already have that mark that symbolizes on their body. It might already be there that they belong to the world. Then we come to chapter 14 the seven bold judgments, where God finally unleashes his wrath upon this earth. And it's like right before we go into this really bad stuff, he says one more time, I want to show you there is a group of people that are going to be in heaven. They're symbolic of those who who belong to the Lamb of God. These are the folks who have obeyed God. These are the folks who have pure hearts. These are the folks who are blameless. These are the folks who do not lie. These are the folks who have acknowledged Jesus Christ as their Lord. This is a picture and a promise of those who have remained true to God. These are the ones who, who have resisted the world. These are the ones who have endured. They have stood. They have persevered. And all he's saying is, hey, things are going to get bad here, but those of you that have, who have surrendered to Jesus Christ, victory will be yours. And then, as we close, before he opens up these seven bold judgments, he has just a few words, just a few, to tell you what's coming. He says these words in verse 14. I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on that cloud was one like a son of man with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Verse 15, the angel said, take your sickle and reap because the time to reap has come. For the harvest of the earth is ripe. In other words, it's time. Verse 19 says that the angel swung his sickle on the earth and gathered its grapes and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. I love that verse because it pictures these nations as like a little grape. These armies, these, you see it on television, they get all their soldiers and they march and they have uh, the tanks are following them and the air force is flying over. All that, all the most powerful armies in the world, it's like a grape to God. He's gonna gather the grapes and throw them in a little bowl and he's gonna squash them like that. And then he says these words in verse 20. They were trampled in the wine press outside the city and the blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as a horse's bridle five six feet high for a distance of how far 180 miles thus describing write this down what we know as the battle of Armageddon I want to show you a picture that I took I took this picture you see that valley off to the left that is the Jezreel Valley Megiddo is off to the right this valley, this plain, is where the, the battle of Armageddon is going to be fought. Now you don't know much, you don't know much, but you can at least see that valley, right? I mean, if you've never been over there, you can at least just you can see the valley. Don't you see how it's a perfect battlefield? And what you don't know, and I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, Israel. You can only go north and south if you go in what's called the trunk, through this valley. It's it's called the trunk road. And it it, it goes north and south all the way through Israel. And then there's also one that goes east and west. It's the only way to go east and west. And it all intersects at that valley, which means that the armies of the world are going to gather from the north and from the south and from the west and the east. And it's going to be the battle of all battles. And the blood is going to flow as high as high. As a horse's bridle. And as long as how, how long? Do you know that the nation of Israel is about 180 miles long? That's about it. You, you say, is all this going to happen? Yes. It, it, didn't everything we talk about, the battle and Satan falling and trying to get rid of Jesus and going after Israel, now going after us, is all that happening? Yeah, this is all going to happen. Now is the time before the seven bold judgments begin. Now is the time for us to get on our knees and to pray and to ask God to forgive us and to turn away from the worldly governments and the false teachings of the world and to get our hearts and our minds back in tune with a living God. Can someone say amen to that?
1: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. Four seven seven seven. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach.
3: We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing, Rediscover a Simpler Faith in Our Complicated World. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of Scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, One Thing, These scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there, and this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing. The book that could finally change everything.